Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I am the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm also co-founder of .org Community and founder and CEO of .org Source, a consultancy to associations. Today, my guest is Kim Robinson. Kim is president of Frontline Co. and leads the firm's association management practice. Since 2002, her exacting standards, relentless energy, and commitment to excellence has helped grow Frontline Co. from two employees to 30, with many national awards along the way. Kim is a certified association executive, and her vision focuses on member services and recruitment, financial and database management, communications, continuing education, and building strong strategic alliances. I always enjoy hearing your unique perspective on the association community, Kim, and I really appreciate you joining me today. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So tell me, tell our audience a little bit about Frontline Co. and your background. Sure. Well, I had a great career in state government uh, before I started Frontline. Uh, I my degrees in political science, um, probably like a lot of people with degrees in political science, I wasn't 100% certain what I'd be doing with that, but I ended up um, getting involved in state government. I held a variety of positions. And, you know, along the way uh, in that role, I, I met a lot of people that worked in associations. Um, I think there's a really good sort of nexus um, between, you know, association work and the, and the public sector. And so when I was sort of ready to conclude my public sector uh, career, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I wanted to work for myself. It was just something I always had in my mind that I wanted to do. I wasn't quite sure what that would look like. But as I was exiting from state government, um, some of my contacts started sort of talking to me about some management needs that they had in uh, a couple of different associations. And so I really thought, well, that would be something I might be interested in. That'd be a fit for me. And so I started with one client and then I realized, oh, I could actually sort of, you know, use that experience with one client and kind of share it with multiple clients. And so that's kind of, I didn't even know association management companies really were a thing in 2002, but I kind of figured out, oh, I get how that model works. Um, so that that's how it all began. And uh, I've been really fortunate to have, you know, great clients that have come along, great team members to work with. And um, that, that sort of, that's what I've done since 2002. Um, as you said in the intro, we now have 30 employees, which is really exciting. And it's a much different company that was when I started with two people in 2002. Right. So what type of associations benefit from su being supported by an association management company? Um, and I guess, what are the, some of the advantages to that approach? Well, I think it, it could really be relevant to almost any association. I think my clients tend to be smaller to midsize. Um, and certainly very large associations probably have more of a need for, you know, captive or standalone staff. But I think for small to midsize associations, especially, uh, they can really benefit from being uh, managed by a management company. I think the biggest advantage, I would say there are two that kind of in my years of doing this, I think two things have come to light. One is, um, and it's really relevant right now, 
I feel like AMCs do a great job of managing transitions. Mm -hmm. So if you have a situation, of course, you know, so much going on in the workforce and transitions and people leaving. And I think when you have those situations um, and, and you're part of an AMC, you're not starting from scratch. You don't have an executive director leaving and then just, you know, sort of running around trying to figure out, you know, how you're going to get somebody to take over quickly and pick up the ball. With an AMC, you usually have multiple people that have been involved working with that client and they can kind of seamlessly pick up the ball. And I, I've had that happen over and over. And I do think that's one of the big benefits of, a, of an AMC model. And then the other thing, uh, the other big um, benefit is that you get to, you get access to a lot of experience that maybe you didn't have to gather on your own. So you're working, you know, like for my company of 30 people, we've got now a lot of experience doing a lot of different things for a lot of different clients. And it's great to be able to take an experience, good or bad, like to learn, you know, with one client and then be able to sort of transfer that experience in many cases to another client. So I would say those are the two that I think are really um, probably the two key benefits. I mean, it can be more cost effective and it cannot. It just sort of depends on, you know, what the client needs and what sure. services they're wanting to access. Sure. So I'm curious of how the pandemic um, affected your clients and your work with them. So I have a number of clients in healthcare. Um, and so you can imagine that for mm -hmm. people in healthcare, there was a really profound impact. Um, we, I would say overall, I don't feel like we had any hugely negative financial impacts for our clients. I, th I think some things that for certain happened are that, especially again in healthcare, but really all of our clients, as everybody's just scrambling with their own lives and their own jobs and their own families and their own issues, you know, the whole board structure that just became a lot more challenging, you know, just, you know, they were so focused, again, healthcare, especially, they were so focused on their own careers and their own jobs and their own demands that I think, you know, in some cases it was, it became a little more challenging to focus on the association. That'd be one thing I would say was an impact. And the other was, of course, what everybody's seen, which is, you know, a transition to virtual events because we weren't getting together in person. Um, from a financial perspective, much of that was very positive because when you have a virtual event, you know, sometimes you can really keep the cost down. So some of that was actually a positive, but I also think people really missed getting together. I think yes. you know, one of the primary benefits of an association is the community. And you see that, you know, in your own, um, the groups you work with. And so I know that was something people really missed. And so it's, we're now sort of getting back to a little bit of that. So, nice. has there been any strategies that have permanently changed um, as a result of the shifts that you had to make because um, of the pandemic? I don't think we will ever go back to the way things used to be fully. Um, I, like I said, I think, well, we'll use gatherings, you know, meetings, whatever, one-on-ones, we'll use that as an example. I think that um, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the things that happened as a result of the pandemic are going to be here for a long time. And one of those is how much more efficient we can all be with like a Zoom meeting for example. And so now maybe where you would have a, you know, in the old days, maybe all of your board meetings would have been a person. So now maybe they're all via Zoom. It doesn't really negate the interest in getting together in person, but I feel like, I feel like 
there's an interest in getting together in person for more fun things. You know, we still yeah. want to be together. We still want to network. We still want to hang out, but I'm not necessarily as interested maybe in spending all day in a board meeting in person when I can, you know, traveling to a meeting, being in the meeting, traveling home from the meeting, you know, maybe I can knock that out in a couple of hours. Now, if we do it via zoom, still want to interact with people personally, but maybe just differently. Um, and, and, and I think the meetings as well, I think it's great to be in person, but there are an awful lot of people who figured out during the pandemic, oh my gosh, this is so much less expensive for me. I'm not traveling. I don't have to pay to travel to a conference. Right. I don't have to pay for a hotel. Um, so I just think now people are seeing the other, you know, other possibilities. And I don't think it's going to be a shift 100% one way or the other. I think everybody kind of wants to be served on their terms. And I think that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of is one of those things where, you know, back in early in my career, and as you know, I do a lot of work in digital strategy that um, everyone's like, well, Sherry, what do we do now? We have social media. So do we not do email or do we not do X? And it was like, no, you're still doing that. And right. So I think that's where we are. We're doing this. And now, exactly. Yeah, I think that is exactly the description of what's going on. Nobody wants to give up whatever it was they thought they had or wanted before. But now you're just trying to meet all these new demands, you know, that people, like I said, I will say there, there were a number of my clients who just fought tooth and nail the idea of a, of a virtual conference. And then after we did it, they're like, you know, <laughs> that was a lot easier and, and less expensive for me. I like I it was better than I thought. So I just want to keep doing that thing. Right. Um, so yeah, I think now we're all in that position of we've sort of opened that door to all of these additional possibilities. We can't give up all of our old things, but now we're just adding on a whole bunch of new things. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, Kim, as you interact with a variety of organizations and, and leaders and boards, what would you, what is you is your most important advice that you can give them at this time? Well, for board members, I guess this is, this is very self-serving because this is the way I like to work. I think that the most, you know, the thing that I always tell board members, whether they're my clients or not, is, um, you know, whoever you're going to work with, whether it's a, a standalone staff or you're working with an AMC, I just think that that partnership between the staff and the board is so critical. Like to me, when that's in place and everybody, there's a high level of trust and respect on both sides, that's about the best that you can do. You know, that, that ensures the greatest level of success from my perspective. You know, when, when maybe that, that trust, you know, when things happen and there's some incident or some, a new face in the, you know, the board or the staff and there just isn't that rapport. I mean, that's a, that's a real danger zone for me. It, it just, it's just so much more rewarding and productive when everybody's pulling in the same direction and we respect each other's roles and, and the vision that we're all working on together. It just doesn't get better than that. And that's what makes this, you know, such a fun industry to work in. And I guess I would say from the board perspective, if you don't have that, you know, I, I'd be thinking about it because if you don't have it, everything's so much harder. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're in a situation with the client now that the board has lost trust and it's a it's really causes a lot of other trickle effects that you wouldn't necessarily think, um, you know, from staff morale and turnover to revenue to I mean, I can go on and on. So that is that is a really important uh, point that you make. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. We've all seen it, right? Either with our, you know, in our own world or with friends. It's just, it's, um, it's really something I try to avoid at all costs. If I don't, if I have, you know, if I have an opportunity to work with somebody, but I see that, you know, they're going to be very distrustful or want to micromanage everything. I mean, it gives me a lot of, like, that's just a relationship I probably don't want to be in. Um, Right. You know, and I think sometimes boards, especially if they've had a bad experience, I mean, you can sometimes understand what causes it, right? They've had a bad experience already. Um, But I think, again, I just, if you, if you, if you don't have that, I'd be looking for it, right? Like if you have somebody you don't trust, then you got to move on. It's like having an employee that you don't, that you don't trust. They shouldn't be in your operation, you know? Right, right. Yeah. I was talking to a board a couple months ago that, they said, they asked me a specific question and, and I had to respond to them that they're too involved in the operations. And they said, their response was, well, that's Sherry because we don't trust them and we don't trust that this is going to get done. And I was like, okay, well, we need to solve for that because, you know, you're doctors and you need to be focused on other things. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, well, and it's what, you know, occasionally I've gotten into that dialogue with a client where they start to get into more of the management side. And what I generally say about that is, um, who's doing your job if you're doing my job? So if you're busy managing the day-to-day operation of this association, which is certainly you're right, if that's something, but who's doing the vision part? Like who's setting the direction for the organization and keeping their eye on the big picture if you're getting mired in the day-to-day? And those are the jobs, right? Those are the two, in the broadest terms, those are the two things. I can do the management side. I can't do the vision side for the client. So I think that's what gets lost. The, you, you just kind of, you're just sort of rudderless at that point if a, if a board is getting that mired in day-to-day operation. It's not a good situation for them or for the staff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you feel that, do you see association business models changing um, in the future or, or no? I know there's a lot of discussion around it and people have different opinions. I would love to hear your thoughts. Well, I think it's already changing a lot and I think it's going to keep changing. I think, uh, I think boards and uh, associations, just as a rule, I think they're more savvy about fees and, you know, what they should expect to pay for services. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more options. You know, you can, of course, you can have your, your own staff. You can have an AMC. There are other models where, you know, there's some associations that are, you know, also serving as a management company by managing their chapters or, you know, some other affiliated groups. So I think there's, I think it's already evolved and I think it's going to keep evolving. I mean, there's for-profit associations now. In the old days, every association was a not-for-profit. Right. Almost ever. So I think it's going to keep evolving. Certainly people have more access to information, um, not necessarily knowledge, but information than ever before. And I think there's a place for all of that, right? Like I would never say, oh, AMC is the only way. There, there's many, many opportunities. But I think, you know, boards are probably a lot more savvy than maybe they were 20 years ago about, you know, what their options are. Um, so if anything, I would say, you know, it's going to continue to be competitive. Um, you know, I always hate to see people looking only for price in anything because, you know, I think sometimes you get what you pay for. So I kind of hate to see that downward pressure on price, but, um, you know, certainly that uh, I, I feel like that is something that's kind of out there. And then the opposite of that as well, because, 
now that the labor market is so super competitive, I feel like it's harder than ever to attract great talent. And they're probably, there's probably going to be, you know, pressure on the other side to pay a little more. So, right. Yeah. Well, I think too, that, you know, what I'm seeing is as people are going through um, issues with the uh, um, employment market, there's also, I think, a place for AMCs to provide um, specialized support. Like I was talking with somebody yesterday that said, uh, we lost our sponsorship person. And in my mind, I was like, well, there's third parties or there's other AMCs that do that, right? Or there's other functions. So kind of thinking a little bit differently of, do we need to have this expertise on our team or is there a resource that can partner with us and be an extension and kind of augment um, our staff resources? Yeah, I think that's an excellent, uh, excellent thought. It's uh, so we, for example, we have a couple of areas where we've just developed a lot of expertise just because that was we got directed that way by the clients we had or whatever. So one of them is um, sort of learning management systems and um, the other is marketing online digital, all different kinds of marketing. And yeah, I, I feel like we've built these engines and it'd be great to be able to provide those services to other um, associations, you know, smaller ones or other AMCs or whoever doesn't have that capability. I feel like if anything, maybe maybe the point we're getting to here is maybe that's one of the shifts that's going to happen where people are viewing each other less as competitors and more as collaborators. Um, because I'm never out to steal somebody's client, right? Like, but I am out to, you know, support small and mid-sized associations. And I would love to be able to share all this, you know, information and experience that we've gathered. And, you know, why not help out a smaller association or another AMC that doesn't have that capability? Yeah, I'm totally open to those things. And that same thought has occurred to me. So you mentioned, you talked about kind of your you're gaining this digital expertise for marketing and LMS. Um, how is Frontline helping associations improve their digital strategies? So we've um, we've recently, I, I, I kind of, and I know you're a big marketing person too. Like to me, everything's marketing now. There's no element of association management that isn't also about marketing. So I think, you know, membership, uh, conference attendance, sponsorships. I mean, that's the engine that drives all of it, right? And it's uh, much, I think it's, I mean, maybe this was going to, maybe this isn't a pandemic thing. It was probably, it was already happening, but it's uh, increasingly complex just finding where all of your potential customers are. Right. Um, I was talking to actually one of my clients the other day about why they hadn't been marketing um, one of their events to non-members. And they said, oh, well, because um, our old uh, AMC partner charged us for each email. So we couldn't afford to send email. You know, you hear things like that and you're, you know, um, so I'm sure it's out there. Uh, But, you know, I think the, um, it's on my mind on anything we're looking at. It's all to me about marketing. And then, you know, all marketing is figuring out what's the message and how are you delivering it? And I think the how you're delivering it is the part that's getting more challenging. I mean, the, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I could send a postcard, you know, to all of my potential conference attendees. Um, but now I, where's anybody even getting their mail? Like, I don't right. even know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just so different. So, but to your earlier point, it's not, oh, we're going to all shift to a digital strategy. No, no, no. It's the old strategy. And then piled on top of that are a whole bunch of new digital or email or other strategies. Because 
it, it, to me, everything is just so much less homogenous than it used to be. There's no one way to reach everybody. So you got to find them where they are and market appropriately. And I, I think that's like, that's what we're really focused on is yeah. not, not leaving a stone unturned. Yeah. Well, we were, we're marketing an event and we said, oh, let's look at the database and let's see who's around where the event's going to be. And then we like, because we have association addresses, right? Where they work. And then we took a pause and we said, oh, wait a second. People aren't going back to the office. So we actually don't know where our audience is in terms of location. So that strategy is not going to (laughs) work. I think that's maybe one of the, if you were, you know, thinking about a shift that happened as a result of the pandemic, that's a big one. Cause we used to always know how to get to our members or, you know, our, our customers. And now, especially in healthcare, a lot of those people still aren't back in an office and, and it's not just healthcare. I, I just don't know where everybody is anymore. So it makes it a lot more challenging, you know, and everybody uh, in that, um, to kind of follow up on that thought, I guess that, we all then started doing more outreach and marketing. So there's more emails, more digital marketing, more social media, more. So now we're losing people, just they're not paying attention, right? right. So we're like, we have to do the, you know, send the message out a million times, a million different ways for them to, you know, to even potentially see what we have going on. So yeah, I think it it's so, just a lot of more effort. <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah, you're right. There's just so much noise. Um, I mean, even, even not marketing, like even just email, like you send people emails, they're like, oh, maybe I, did I get that? I don't know. I get a thousand emails a day. You know, it's so much uh, more challenging. I'm actually kind of contemplating going the other way. Like I have one client I'm working with and we're not, we're not trying to do big anything. We're trying to do a whole bunch of, a whole series of smaller kind of regional events. And we, we're not looking to get hundred people. We're looking to get 20 people um, just to do something different. And also to kind of um, help people get back to being comfortable meeting in person. Um, sure. So I don't know. I think we try, we're all trying a lot of different things and seeing what works best for now, which will be different a year from now. Right. <laughs> That's one thing we've definitely have learned. Um, so what do you feel is or view as the most important technological development for organizations? Well, I guess uh, in light of what we were just saying, um, I guess all the opportunities that now exist for much more sophisticated marketing where um, you can um, segment your audience, you can deliver messages across a bunch of different platforms um, I would say that's a thing that we have really increasingly, we increasingly are reliant. We use a lot of software in that regard. And I would say that's a, a big development. Um, you know, there are platforms out there and tools that kind of are, folk, are you know, specifically for associations. I struggle with sometimes with tools that aren't association oriented because it is not quite right. Um, so finding kind of those marketing platforms where they really understand the association space, that's a thing I've found a lot of value in. So um, I appreciate that. Uh, and I, I agree with that as well. So I guess any final thoughts before we wrap up for today? Um, no, not really. I think we've had 
on some really good topics. It's been a good yeah. conversation. Um, but no, I think it's just, I think there's so much turmoil, but it's not unique to associations, but those of us that are in that space are obviously trying to navigate through it just like everybody else is. Um, and I think it's not, I, like I said, I don't think we're going back, but I also don't think it's settled yet. Like, I just think there's going to be variations on this and that will continue to evolve. Um, yeah, we definitely have, have been, um, we've kind of gone from one issue to the next, right? We went from the pandemic to virtual meetings. And I was talking to somebody today about, okay, now we're dealing with the expense of travel and it just doesn't, in the, the great resignation, whatever that means. And it just doesn't seem to be ending for us, does it? <laughs> I don't think it is ending. Um, and I think, yeah, I just think all of it, it was already, uh, there was already, you know, a lot of change going on. And and certainly the pandemic probably hastened that, you know, but I don't think, um, I think there were some good things that came out of it. Certainly a lot of maybe not as good things, but I just think we're going to be dealing with it for a long time. And it'll be up to all of us to figure out how to adapt and help our clients. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for your great advice today, Kim. It's always uh, great to hear from someone who supports a variety of association clients and thanks to our listeners. But if uh, someone wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? So I am at Kim at frontlineco.com or give me a call on my cell 217-415-0333. Always happy to chat. That's great. Um, so I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. To meet leaders like Kim, consider joining Dotter Community. Dotter Community connects you with a vibrant network of association executives, entrepreneurs, and strategic partners. You can learn more about us at www.orcommunity.com. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.